welcome to Growing, a podcast about birth, babies, and beyond. I'm your host, Beth. I'm a midwife, a business owner, and a mum. If you're anything like me, you find yourself wearing many hats, and this can be fun and hard and everything in between. So I'm here to offer support and solidarity for whatever season of growth you find yourself in. Let's go. Welcome back to Growing. Today we are joined by the wonderful Susie Prout, who is a lactation consultant, mum of three, and a registered midwife, I should say. We have many, many hats going on. Welcome, Susie. Oh, thank you, Beth. I'm so excited to join you and chat about this. It is just such uh, an area that pregnant ladies would benefit so much from. Absolutely. We are going to be chatting today through, you know, the really early days of breastfeeding, um, starting right from that point of late pregnancy because I think a lot of people do get to that sort of pointy end and then they're thinking about what comes next and if you're planning to breastfeed your baby you do need to sort of start thinking about that in pregnancy so just to kick us off Susie do you mind sharing if someone was you know in their late third trimester what sort of things can they be doing to prepare for the breastfeeding journey? Yes of course and so firstly when you are at the you know, in your, in your third trimester and you're thinking, right, what's happening with the birth? You're thinking about the birth all the time. It's very, very normal to think about the birth. I certainly did it. We all do it. It's this impending thing that's coming up. And a lot of mums-to-be will think, oh, I'll just think about breastfeeding after. I'll look at that after. It's too much now. I'm thinking about the birth now. I'm buying things for baby. But the thing is, is that what we don't think about is that breastfeeding happens immediately after you've had your baby. So you haven't got time to think about breastfeeding after because you've had your birth and then you're breastfeeding. And it's very, very tricky to switch your mind to learning about something completely new that is your baby is wanting to do right then on the spot. So have a think about what education you've done so far in your pregnancy. There's some birth education um, days that you go to at the hospital or you might do one privately and some will have a good breastfeeding you know a couple of hours in it that they might have some tools that you can use and that's great but there might be some hospitals that have birth education that really just skims over breastfeeding really really quickly and doesn't give you enough so there are specific courses that you can do often you can do them through local ibclcs or um, breastfeeding associations or sometimes in your hospital privately there are breastfeeding courses you can do and i can't recommend that enough because if you do something that you are just thinking about breastfeeding then you're going to be thinking about that only and not thinking about the birth as well so while birth education is something that you must do, you must also think about this as, as a secondary thing. And the good thing about doing a breastfeeding course or some education with an IBCLC is then you've linked yourself in to a local IBCLC in your area. So a lot of ladies might choose to actually meet an IBCLC for breastfeeding education as a one-to-one, you know, like a one-hour session or something like that, before your baby's arrived, they'll go through everything you need to do in those early days. And then you've got someone in your corner for when baby arrives. Yeah. And just to um, backtrack a tiny bit 
IBCLC, for anyone listening who doesn't know what that means, it's an international board certified lactation consultant, which is what Susie is. And they are wonderful breastfeeding specialists that have gone through quite rigorous upskilling and training to support people specifically in breastfeeding. So as midwives, we do a fair bit of breastfeeding support, but an IBCLC really specializes and hones in on not just supporting you, but certainly solving problems. They are where it's at if we ever run into trouble. Yeah, absolutely. And say when you go home from hospital and you you didn't know of a lactation consultant in your area, it's then a little bit overwhelming to try and find someone. So I always recommend before you've had your baby, just to have a bit of a see who is in your area and are the IBCLCs linked with the hospital and do you get uh, like a six-week package, you know, to see someone from that as well. Yeah, it's so funny you say like, the birth education is great, but we sometimes like lump in breastfeeding with that and it kind of gets glossed over. And it's actually funny because when I started teaching power birth face to face, I was like, I want it to be this one day comprehensive thing where, you know, you come, we do all, all of your birth and then we'll do some breastfeeding in the afternoon. And it's great in theory, but what I was finding was that these beautiful couples were coming and you know, so engaged all day about birth, 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 birth. And then by the time we got to the end of this big learning day, we we were then trying to shift gears into breastfeeding and it just felt really tacked on. And I thought, no, this is not what I want for them for their breastfeeding education. I want them to carve out time when they feel fresh, when they feel focused, when that's their like, you know, my head is in breastfeeding. And so we actually moved that into like an online component that they can watch in their own time when they feel rested and it's working so much better. But that's like just one example of how it does like unintentionally sort of just get tacked onto into courses. And it's sort of like, that's fine if there's adequate time and there's space and, you know, you've got the energy to keep learning. But I love what you said about really treat it as something separate because you don't get time to do like there is no time when you said oh it it happens straight away I was like it does you know baby's on your chest and then two minutes later you're expected to know what you're doing with feeding so such such valuable advice yeah no absolutely it's it's if we can start to to break the two apart and we can look at the knowledge that we've got for both of those areas and so the other thing to do in pregnancy is have a chat with your partner or family and friends that are going to be close around you once baby's here about your breastfeeding goals and your breastfeeding wishes because a lot of, um, not issues, but I guess you could say issues would come through when baby is home and there are expectations from family about visiting and about holding baby and about how long um, to come and visit and how soon to visit. And all of these things, it's easier to navigate them when you're still pregnant and to just have a bit of a discussion and to say, look, I, I really want to give breastfeeding a really good go. I don't want to be told when when breastfeeding is hard to just go and get a bottle of formula. I don't want to be told you don't have to breastfeed. I'd love you to just support me and to look at ways and um, to support me in that and to have that discussion early on. So everyone, when you've had your baby that's close to you knows, okay, you know, Susie's gonna gonna really want to have a go at breastfeeding and I'm not going to put anything in her way. Yes. And it's like an iceberg, isn't it? Like it's the tip of it is like saying, oh yeah, okay, we're going to support you. But then it's looking at all of the factors around that and going, 
okay, but it's not just saying, oh yeah, you're doing really well. It's putting in the boundaries with the visitors. It's, you know, having your partner call the LCs in your area and, and see who has capacity. Like it's so much bigger than just saying like, oh yeah, yeah, we'll be, we'll back you. Like, I know you want to breastfeed. It's like, no, no, there's actually things you need to do to really, really make sure that I don't come across lots and lots of barriers. And if we do, like, what are our solutions kind of thing? Yeah, absolutely. Because especially if um, you might have your your parents or your in-laws, if they did breastfeed, they've probably forgotten it and, and a lot of them didn't breastfeed um, back in the day. And they don't understand that breastfeeding is a whole day event when you get home. So there might be, you won't be able to say to somebody, oh, come at 11 o'clock for a visit because I'm going to be ready then and Mm. going to be asleep. We don't know that. So there will be like fluid expectations where things might change on the day and that's okay. Or when you get to see me, I might be actually needing to go and do a really long breastfeed or I don't want to breastfeed out in the lounge because I'm I'm finding it tricky. So just having a chat with your partner and having a chat with your family about those expectations. And then as well as that, going one step further, to have a think about and you would be at once you've done some education or chatted to an LC or just had a really good think about what breastfeeding is really going to look like because mm. when we have not had a baby before, often we think of breastfeeding as being quite a uniform predictable thing in that, okay, we're going to put our baby on the breast at eight o'clock. They're going to feed for 20 minutes. We're going to put them down in the bassinet and then we're going to pick them up at 11 o'clock and do that again. And it's going to go throughout the day. Yes, you might think that you're going to have nights as well, but what we don't realize is that how unpredictable and how this is normal in the first at least six weeks, a lot longer sometimes with breastfeeding is that it is an unpredictable. If you, if you said to me, I'm feeding my baby, you know, literally from 5 p.m. to 11 p.m. there we're on the couch we're eating dinner and we're feeding and then they might have some really good sleeps for a little bit and then we might have you know some 4 a.m. to 7 a.m. on the breast on and off on and off and then you might have a really good morning sleep and then it starts again after lunch that I would say yeah okay yep you know if weight's going well that's that's all good but if you said to me they're feeding you know 8 a.m. 11 a.m. 2 p.m., 5 p.m., and it's really easy, I would be quite shocked at that. So that's the expectation that we really have to look at with breastfeeding is that it is unpredictable and you you cannot say what one day is going to look like. Yes, it will change. I'm not going to say you're not going to have a six-month-old baby that's going to do that, but certainly in at least the first six weeks, it's just you're just all in and you're just rolling with it. Yeah. And do you mind explaining for everyone listening why that unpredictability and leaning into your baby's feeding cues is actually so important? Because I think often we are, and I can put my hand up and say, I'm like this, you know, you're used to structure, you're used to control. It can be really hard to accept the fluid nature of early infant feeding, where you are basically encouraged to go with whatever your baby wants. And like sometimes you know, you might have people around you saying like, oh, no, no, you need to put in a routine or it's good to kind of get that structure down place so that your baby's more settled. But actually we know that we call it like on demand or in response feeding is so important. And understanding the why I think can really help people just embrace it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So the the way that your body makes milk, it it happens in two stages. The first stage is going to be like the hormonal stage where um, your baby comes out. Once the placenta is out, 
you have a huge shift in hormones. You have a lot of prolactin. And so your body is going to go into milk making mode. And so your body will probably make copious amounts of milk in that first couple of weeks. You might have a, a delay of about a week or so, but it will then make probably make copious amounts of milk. And that is the time that if you are on demand with your baby and you are breastfeeding whenever your baby needs it and you are free so you're frequently and effectively draining those breasts messages are going to be sent to your body to say good keep making milk at this amount let's keep going this is your body is at is at the stage where it's 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 really happy to make lots of milk because you've got this huge hormonal shift and so you've got this milk making tissue in your breasts and it needs to be told how often it needs to be removed so the the way that when we talk about supply and demand what exactly we're doing is we are demanding from our body and demanding through either a pump or, or your baby expressing and your supply is going to match what we're demanding from our body. And if we don't do that in the early weeks and we, you know, might give a bottle overnight or we might try and get our baby onto a routine and we're not feeding like that, we're giving the wrong messages to our body in those early weeks. And if we then after a few weeks, you know, realized or we saw a lactation consultant or we spoke to the midwives and we're like oh gosh we're doing it the wrong way i now need to feed on demand i now need to tell our body exactly what to make we've lost those really vital few weeks where our body is able to make lots of milk making tissue and lots of ducts around there that it's harder to make a really good milk supply if we miss those first few weeks. And so we say that the most crucial time for milk production is from 24 hours until two weeks old. And so information for people to have because you don't know what you don't know and it is quite a finite opportunity and that's not to scare people to say like if you have a rocky start to breastfeeding that we can't course correct and we can't support you to, you know, to feel really good about your feeding journey. It's just to say that if you are someone that's heading in, wants to breastfeed, you really need this information so that you can lean in and go with your baby and let them feed, feed, feed as much as they need to in that those first couple of weeks when your body is primed for milk production. Yes, absolutely. And when I do see clients who come to me with their second and third or whatever babies and they've had a low milk supply with their first, what I say is that if we can do whatever we can in those first two weeks, we can easily turn this around unless, you you know, you, you had something that there was an issue with making milk supply with your body. But it's just leaning into those few weeks because that's when our body is like, right, tell us what to do. You tell yeah. us what to do and we'll do it for you. We can certainly do that later on. We can increase your milk supply. But in terms of ease, it's easiest to do it in those first few weeks. Yeah. So looking now, like if we were in, say, you've had a vaginal birth and you're in the birth suite and the midwife lifts Bobby up onto your chest and, you know, they're pink and screaming and happy to be here, what should we be seeing in the next 24 to 48 hours in terms of normal newborn behaviour in relation to breastfeeding? Yeah, right. So when baby is on your chest doing skin to skin, you might have a baby who's really primed and ready to breastfeed straight away. Um, and you might find that with the help of your midwife, because it depends if, you know, if you've had an epidural and you're not moving around the bed so well, it's a bit tricky to kind of shift yourself into position. You've never held a baby before. 
they're wriggling around. So the midwife will help with positioning and certainly ask. That's what the midwife is there. They're going to be with you a lot in the first couple of hours anyway after birth. So certainly ask them and they will be happy to help you. So your baby might might attach them, right? They might have a breastfeed straight away. That is the ideal, but it is also normal if they don't. You might have a baby who actually wants to have a really good cry for a while and then go to sleep on your your chest and that's okay as well you just having skin to skin and having your baby's head close to the breast or close to the nipple and let them do what they need to do for that time and you may find and you usually find if they do want to have a bit of a sleep first they will start to wake up after about you know their 30 to 40 minutes of their sleep cycle and then they might want to have a feed and so ideally we try and do a breastfeed in that first couple of hours, it doesn't always happen and it doesn't mean that anything is going to be wrong with your breastfeeding, but we certainly attempt to do that. If your baby then didn't wasn't attaching, for whatever reason it wasn't, they either weren't attaching, um, it, it ended up being painful, they, they were sleepy, your midwife would certainly help you with hand expressing and, and getting milk into baby because I always say, and certainly with mums that are stressed in the hospital that I'm helping, in that first 24 or 48 hours, if a baby is not feeding effectively, that's not my concern because we will get there with that baby. It's the milk. It's the milk that we want to start to express. So don't stress about baby. We will get there. But what we don't want to do is just just leave it, leave it and yeah. not express the colostrum out. Yeah, and your baby isn't born starving. So we have to remember that a full-term infant is born with lots of nutrients on board. They're hydrated. They're doing really well in those first, particularly in the first 24 hours. They don't need ample amounts of milk. So often people feel quite stressed about the baby who is very sleepy and they're learning and their suck is incoordinate and their mucousy and they're just not interested in the breast. That's actually really, really normal. But what we need to do, like Susie said, is we just need to give those messages to your body through other means. So if your baby goes on and feeds, fantastic. We don't need to fiddle with the process. But if you do have a little, you know, sleepy, mucousy, uninterested baby, sometimes bubbies have sore heads, um, depending on how they've come into the world, get your midwife to show you how to hand express and just get that process moving while doing skin to skin. I always just say like, it's just about the opportunity for them to feed, not necessarily pushing them to feed. So it's just about not wrapping your baby up in a swaddle, having them in the cot, having them passed around the room, because then even if that baby was going to go have a feed, it doesn't have the chance. But if they're on your chest, skin to skin, under a warm blanket, and they're not attaching super well, it's not a concern in the first 24 to 48 hours. Yes, exactly. Many, many women have gone on to breastfeed beautifully after that. And as you say, it is just giving them the opportunity and giving and making sure that you are, you notify the midwives that, you know, can you help me? Can you help me? Can you get help me get baby on? Because we certainly need to keep on trying at least every three hours in the day um, and in the night uh, in this certainly in this early stage to attempt to get them on. So we want to just make sure that we're not just leaving it because like, oh, we tried once this morning and it didn't really work. We might just yeah. leave it. Um, keep on going and keep on giving them that time and, and seeing how you get through. Yeah. And honestly, do not stress if it's not working. Like the amount of times I've been on the postnatal ward and people are so 
upset and they feel like breastfeeding's not off to the good start. And I'm like, it's normal. You know, your baby actually has what we call a recovery sleep after birth where they are sleepy, they're docile, they're not that interested in breastfeeding. And then things shift, you know, towards the more like three days post-birth. They really start to wake up and those nutrient stores that we just referenced are sort of dropping off and they need milk. And that's when we see a real shift in them. So please don't think that something is wrong if you're not like, you know, breastfeeding straight off the bat. Yes, absolutely. And it's so interesting that you said about the day three, because that's when a lot of the babies then want to feed a lot. And so then the Mm -hmm. next issue we may have that come along is yes, baby is breastfeeding, but you may then start to have a little bit of nipple pain and a little bit of nipple damage in those early days. And And something that we need to think about with nipple pain is that Breastfeeding in the early days, it's a bit of a myth that if it's going well, it should be painless. Breastfeeding in the early days, even if you have amazing attachment, is a little bit Mm -hmm. sore at the beginning. Certainly with all my three children, and I had great attachment with all of them, in those first couple of weeks, my nipples were tender and for the first 10 seconds of putting baby on, it would be a little bit sore and then the pain would Mm -hmm. dissipate. It's wear and tear, like sensitive skin that we've never had this much action on and then we've got a baby who you know is feeding 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 you're going to have some level of sensitivity there yes absolutely so we just need to have a think okay so it is a little bit sore when I'm in the shower when the um, water hits my nipples it's a little bit sore if anything's rubbing it's a little bit sore but when I'm feeding does the pain go away when, when baby is on after 10 20 seconds is the pain getting better and when baby has come off Does my nipple look kind of the same as when it went in or is it really squished and blanched on one side? Is it starting to be damaged? Damaged is not normal. Damage is so you might have a graze or a cut or chafing or really squished up nipples. That's not normal. Pinchy pain throughout a whole feed, that's not normal. Pulling, drawing out dull pain is normal and pain in the first 10 to 20 seconds of a breastfeed in the early days is normal. So we just need to look at and not expect that it's going to be completely painless in the early days at the beginning of a feed. Yeah, for sure. And um, do you mind chatting us through what's happening at that 48-hour mark and why so many babies, and I would say all babies, are very, very nocturnal? and and why those feeds overnight are so important not to try to drop out straight away. Yeah, no, of course. And so we know that obviously babies don't know day and night, so that's the first thing. So um, there's a couple of things to this. Firstly, a baby doesn't know that they should be having most of their nutrition in the daytime and starting sleep at night. That is not expected from them. So that's the, the first thing is that there is not, don't expect there to be a difference between day and night because there isn't. It is really important as the days go on that when we when our milk starts to come in it's very normal that we have a lot of our milk is made overnight and so the more that we can remove milk from our breasts the more information is going to be sent to our body to make more milk so we need to remember that 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 overnight time is crucial because that's when a lot of our milk is made and a lot of the memory pathways are made The other thing is as time goes on, we're going to have a lot of milk in the mornings and then as the day goes on, the amount of milk we have in our breasts becomes less and less. 
People think that they have a low milk supply. They don't. It's not that at all. It's just that milk is made more in the night. And so by the t- by the evening time, we have a little bit of less milk, but it, all it means is that babies need to feed more frequently to get the same amount of milk. And we do think, we don't have absolute certainty on this, but we certainly know that there is a different fat content in the milk as we go through to the evening. So they're getting a lesser volume, but probably getting more density in that milk in the in the evenings. And so we know that a baby needs to feed more at night, in the, certainly in the first half of the night. We know that they should because we want to tell our bodies all about how much milk to make and to think that we can feed, feed, feed heaps in the day and then leave it at night is just setting ourselves up for a bit of a low milk supply. Yeah, if we're not stimulating those breasts overnight and we're not emptying them and we're replacing them with a bottle, especially in the first six weeks when your supply is so delicate, that is when we will start to see, because your body's clever and they'll just go, oh, okay, cool. Well, if, you know, if you're not emptying your breasts overnight, I mustn't need to make that milk. And then we just see that slow decline in milk supply. And I think it's so important because there is a lot of focus in our culture around getting babies to sleep well. And often what's left out of that conversation is like, Actually, when your baby is a newborn in those first three months, it is so biologically crucial that your baby is at the breast because that is the only way that we're going to establish a really plentiful milk. Not the only way, but it's such an important puzzle piece to that plentiful lactation that we want to see. Yeah, absolutely. In the first 12 weeks, if a mum says to me, oh, my baby's starting to sleep through and they're exclusively breastfeeding mum, I'd actually say to that mum, you need to wake your baby up. So I would say in the first two or three weeks, you wouldn't want them to go past about four hours and then going further on until about, you know, kind of eight weeks or so, you wouldn't want them to go past six hours. Even even up to 12 weeks, you wouldn't really want them to go past six to eight hours. After three months, so your baby gets to three months old, if your breastfeeding is going well and if baby's weight gain is going gain is going well, you can then leave them to do what they want at night, but definitely not before three months. And a lot of the time, but we won't go into this into this episode because this is a whole other episode on, on its own, but there is the time when babies start to wake more at three to four months anyway. So we probably wouldn't have that conversation because baby would start to wake more, yeah. but babies could sleep if they wanted to further on. Yeah. And that's the key thing. It's like if they are doing it on their own at three months, but it's actually incredibly normal and expected that they are far from, you know, the classic phase sleeping through the night. It's not really something that happens until our babies are much older. And again, like we won't go into it. It's a whole different conversation. <laughs> so it's like so important to normalize it in the context of breastfeeding. And, and I think the more we understand the why, it's a lot easier. Like I found it actually funnily enough, even though Poppy was waking so much in those really, you know, the three months, those first three months, because I had such a strong understanding of like, well, why is it happening? I actually found it really easy to to get up because I'm like, well, this is just what needs to happen. You know, my milk is still delicate. Her tummy is so small. There's no way around this. This is just a biologically normal process that we have to journey through. Whereas like, you know, she wakes now and she's almost two and I'm like, for God's sake, <laughs> there is no need for you to be awake. <laughs> no one needs to be awake in this house. Uh, and if we think about um, trying to understand supply and demand, if we think about the fact that if for someone who was having who had twins, they're able, their body is able to make enough milk for two babies just by telling 
that body how much milk to make through expressing or breastfeeding. And for some mums, there are situations where they can only um, breastfeed on one side and that one breast is able to make enough milk for that baby. So it's all about telling our bodies. Our bodies are very clever and they can do it if we tell them what to do. We have to imagine that um, not only are we teaching ourselves how to breastfeed and we're helping our babies learn to breastfeed, we're actually teaching our body how to make the milk. And when we look at it like that and we look at it the fact that your body does not know how to make milk for your baby because it doesn't know how many babies are out there and what your baby needs. So it's all about teaching your body in that first few months what to do. Yeah, and it's so important. Like I actually love that analogy because I think sometimes we think, oh, breastfeeding is natural. It's like, yeah, it is natural. It doesn't mean we know how to do it. It doesn't mean that we don't have to learn. It's a learned skill for us, our bodies and our baby. And then when we understand that, it kind of takes that pressure off, that expectation that it will just come naturally. We'll just put baby's head close to the nipple and they'll just jump on and it'll all be so easy. Um, It's a challenge for a lot of people. No, it it absolutely is. And certainly many, many, many moons ago when people were living in tribes and communities and everyone was just out there with their breasts out and and feeding. And as a small, you know, young girl, you would see mums and aunties and sisters breastfeeding, you would see it all happen. Yes, it probably probably was very, very natural and and came naturally. But we're not like that now. Certainly if I wasn't a midwife, when I first had my baby, I had never seen, other than in my work, I'd never seen anyone breastfeed. And so for a lot of these mums that are not in this line of work, they have their baby, they have literally never seen anyone breastfeed or really talk about it. So it is like completely foreign. And you might have seen, like, if you have seen someone breastfeed, it's probably a four or five month old who is well practiced and it does look really simple. And the mum is kind of just, you know, slinging them on quickly under their shirt or whatever. But a newborn, it's quite involved in terms of like positioning and attachment and watching the placement of their mouth and are they sucking and all of this stuff that like we, you're right, we do not see that, you know, in our day to day. And then you're tasked with doing it and it's hard. Absolutely. What would you say around understanding the the volume that a newborn baby can take? Because this is another big challenge on the postnatal ward where people will maybe be worried that the colostrum or the early milk is not enough. And we have to do a lot of education to say, actually, your baby's tummy is super small. Yeah, absolutely. Because what we see is we think about a bottle of milk. So when we're looking at breastfeeding, we're like, oh, well, all I know about is that a baby takes a bottle of, of milk. So we know that a, that a baby's tummy on birth is the size of a small marble. It does grow rapidly, but certainly in the first week or two, it is it is very small. So they, you can imagine how little the amount of colostrum is needed to actually fill that. Colostrum is also dense. It is It is thick and it is energy high. And so... Certainly, you would look at a a baby having a couple of mils of colostrum at their feed and it being fine. You wouldn't want to give your baby in the first couple of days an actual bottle because they wouldn't be able to take it. They wouldn't even be able to have a small amount of of milk in the bottom of that bottle. It is when we do um, syringe feed into a baby. It's we're just talking about a matter of mils, a couple of mils of colostrum, and then as your baby 
grows, annual milk changes. It goes to transitional milk, which is between mature milk and colostrum, and then it gets to mature milk. Things will gradually get more and more and more. But also, your baby is never at, in these early days, certainly in the first six weeks, going to have, you know, a 200 ml bottle of milk. They may need 50 mils after a couple of weeks. So these are small amounts and we can't say one or another because babies are so different in how they feed, but it is, it is small amounts. It is, it is, um, literally a couple of mils to start off with and then it continues on. And the other thing we've got to remember is if you were, formula feeding a baby set amounts of milk, they may be able to feed at 8 a.m., 11 a.m. or whatever. But some babies, most babies with breastfeeding, they might have a sleepy feed or they Mm. might have a short feed or they might have a feed and then literally fall asleep after 60 seconds of it. They might pull off. They might not attach well or they might have an amazing long feed and completely drain the colostrum that's there. And so your baby may want to feed half an hourly for a few hours to really get the same amount of milk as if they were just doing one really good feed. And then they might have a really good sleep and then they might wake up from that two-hour nap and then they might have a really good feed and Mm. then they won't want to feed again. And so babies don't take the same amount of milk every time they breastfeed. We don't know how much milk they they take unless we were measuring, which we don't need to do if all things are going well. So we really never know what our baby takes. And that's the beauty of breastfeeding is that you never know. Certainly with all of my babies, I didn't do any expressing. I couldn't tell you in all seven years of breastfeeding that I've done how much any of my babies ever drank because Mm. I didn't ever express. And so the best thing to do is to not think about amounts, not think about the clock, and to just go with it. And that's where things will usually fall into place. I love that so much. And you've touched on something so important there where we do not focus. We are not concerned about the meals going in because there is no way to tell what's happening for a breastfeeding mum. But do you want to just chat through quickly, like what are we looking for? Because what are those objective measures that that reassure us that go, this baby's fine. You know, this, this breastfeeding journey is so on track and this is wonderful just to keep leaning into baby's cues. Yeah, absolutely. So firstly, we need to remember that all babies will lose a little bit of weight after they're born. And this is normal. So don't stress out. It's the amount of weight that we look at. So usually, I know some places will be different, but we're we're looking at a weight loss of under 10% is is okay. And then a weight loss over 10% we look at as um, needing to do something about it. So firstly, we will look at the weight loss. And then after that weight loss, and we start to gain weight, then your baby will start to gain weight. As your milk comes in, um, more and more that milk comes in, your baby will start to gain. We look at how, how much they're gaining per week, how much they're gaining per day if we need to. And then we also put them on a growth percentile chart, which you'll learn more about when you get your child health books. However, so the, the first thing is that we're looking at is not how much your baby is taking, but how your baby is gaining, how much your baby lost and then how much your baby is gaining. We can really confidently say through looking at weights how your baby is going. The other important thing is to look at wheeze and poos. And so we, we want to know that your baby is having, you know, not concentrated but straw to light coloured urine, wet, wetting in past um, the first couple of days when your milk is coming in six to eight wet nappies and we're looking at that and and, and um, often in the hospital is you chart that for your midwife 
We're looking at the poos as well. And we're looking at um, when your baby is first born, they have this meconium poo, which is that sticky tar-like substance. And that will change as you're getting enough milk through to your baby and it will change to a transient greenish poo. And then it will change to that copious mustard. And are they doing one or two of those poos a day? Is it copious? Since it's changed that nice breastfeeding mustardy colour. No, you're a midwife. It's the nice mustard colour. We're like, everyone else is like, ooh, it's like this yellow. And we're like, it's just a lovely mustard. <laughs> we love it. Um, and then we're also, we kind of go a little bit further than that as well. And we look at satisfaction of your baby. Is your baby satisfied after a feed? Are they happy to have a little bit of time off the breast after that feed and and kind of potter about and have a bit of a sleep? Or are they literally screaming at you all day? We know that a baby screams at you a lot during the cluster feeding periods of their day but what's not normal is a baby screaming at you all day so yeah. we, we can have cluster feeding times of babies on and off the breast literally crying for five hours but then what we want to then see is if we want your baby to calm down then you want, you want your baby to have some good sleeps and some good feeds for the, the rest of the day and then start again with that stuff and then we're also looking at development we're looking at your baby developing as as they're supposed to be developing and is everything going well with that. So you can see that in everything that we've spoken about there, we have never mentioned a clock uh, about how long your baby's sucking for and we've never mentioned an amount because we don't know and we, we just don't care because it doesn't matter. No, so put down your apps, put down the timers, just lean into your baby, follow what they want to do. Susie, you have given us so many practical tips and I'm just going to recap them for people listening before we hear about how they can reach you. So as Susie explained, your newborn, when they come out uh, straight after birth, regardless of how you've given birth, they may or may not want to feed straight away, but it's just about maintaining the opportunity through skin to skin and that sort of thing and your midwife can help you. Then what we would expect is that around 48 hours, they're going to wake up and be a little bit more alert. And certainly this is when you need to lean into their feeds, go with those overnight feeds and expect that things are going to be unpredictable for a number of weeks or months. And then just remembering that we are not concerned about specific volumes or feeding times, but rather looking at their weight gain, their wheeze and poos and their overall um, behavior and how they're, you know, feeling throughout the day and, and what they're trying to tell you through their behavior. Susie mentioned education at the top and Susie runs an amazing breastfeeding support membership. Do you mind sharing what that looks like for mums and where they can find you? Yeah, absolutely. So I looked at how breastfeeding um, education would be effective for mums in terms of not just having my course on its own. So I, I put my breastfeeding course, which is a step-by-step -step video lessons, into a membership. So we have, um, you can purchase the breastfeeding membership in that you get my online breastfeeding program but then within the membership you come into a private Facebook community and I help you in there I hop in every day during the um, working week and then I come in on a uh, on a Friday and we have a live Q&A because I can help you more with that as well and within that group as well as me being there you also have a lovely group of ladies who are all in the same situation as you, all going through the same situation, same issues, and you can support each other. There are lots of ladies who have caught up outside of my group because they've met each other and realised they live so close. So it's, it's education, firstly, and then it's support from me and then it's community as well. Yeah, and it's, I'm, lots of girls are having a lovely time in there. Yeah, it 
is an amazing resource, the way that you've structured it and people can join. So you can join in late pregnancy, for example, start watching these videos and then you can stay as a member as long as you need to. So is that right, Susan? Yeah, absolutely. So you can purchase it when you've had your baby or when you're still pregnant. It doesn't matter. A lot of ladies will like to buy it around the 36 weeks and you can just buy um, it on a month to month. So if you don't want to, I do have a, um, a, like a best price for 12 months, but you don't have to do that. You can be like, I might just come in for a month. If I like it, I can transfer to the 12 month version and I'll just cancel. Some ladies have, have joined for a couple of months, canceled, and then they join again when they're having issues around, you know, yeah. uh, solids and things and that they're back in for something else. And I've had a lady join again for weaning. So it just, it's really fluid. It's not, um, it's certainly not something you, you're stuck in or anything like that. I love that. And you can go and follow Susie on Instagram. I'll pop her handle in the show notes as well. You share a lot of education and just general, nice, reassuring, you know, you're doing well. I love your messages. They always landed in my feed when I really at them. It would just be like, don't worry about it. You're doing so well. You're good. It's a bit hard at the moment. It's going to get better. So I absolutely love Susie's feed. So definitely go and follow. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much, Susie, for joining us today on Growing. My pleasure. If you're hearing this message, then you've listened all the way to the end and maybe you're keen for more. If that's the case, jump over to my website to learn about how I can support you in pregnancy. It's www.birthwithbeth.com.au or check out my Instagram for heaps more educational content. Thank you for being here and I'll see you back here very soon.